Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Welcome back inside the screening room. Glad you're joining us. I am George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And we are from MadWolf.com. And the screening room is sponsored by Marcus Crosswood Theater. With the 70-foot wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and those Dream Lounge recliners. Comfy. All right, we've got some big releases this week. And we'll start with the rebooted Laura Croft. Fiercely independent daughter of a missing adventurer, she pushes herself beyond her limits when she finds herself on the island where her father disappeared. It's Tomb Raider. What's your name? Laura. Surname? Croft. If you're listening to this, then I must be dead. I found something, a tomb called the Mother of Death. If Trinity succeeds, our world is in danger. Promise me you will stop them. I promise. I think I know where my dad went. That's right in the middle of the Devil's Sea. It'll be an adventure. Death is not an adventure. Have we ever seen, ever, a video game movie that worked? Boy, I think we're still waiting. Yes. I mean, we, I know we've brought that up several times. Mm-hmm. Every time there's a video game movie... And this might actually be one of the better ones. Yes. No, I think you're right. Alicia Vikander steps into the boots of Angelina (laughs) Jolie. That's right. Of Angelina Jolie, who played Laura Croft back in the early 2000s. Yeah, Uh, I think the last one was 2003. So it's been a good fifth. Can you believe that? 15 years? It's amazing. Since the last Laura Croft movie? Uh, Honestly, I'm not sure why they're even making another one. Well, they want the cash. They want the cash. And yeah, Alicia Vikander, obviously... um, an Oscar-winning actress. Yes. And I think right away in, in her casting, not only in her casting, but in the way the movie plays out, you can see a definite improvement in the way in the sexualization of the character. Yes. So this is another uh, another issue, really, with these films, is that the video game character... Pretty ridiculous. Yeah. It's completely ridiculous. So it's, it's this idea of sort of this Indiana Jones character who just happens to be... has the gi- giantest boobs ever. So it's right. it's... It's a ludicrous adolescent male fantasy. And so to make that leap to the big screen, it's hard not to do it and look stupid. But Alicia Vikander is incredibly talented. We loved her in Ex Machina. And, of course, she won an Oscar for The Danish Girl. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think she comes off as a believable badass Mm -hmm. in this. And I don't think... Very athletic, very believable in the action sequences. Nimble and coordinated. And, yeah, and and also I think that... I don't think that... The film objectifies her, certainly not in the way that I was worried that it would. Right. I think um, I was talking with someone else, and I think the analogy the analogy I used was the difference between Wonder Woman in the movie Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman in the movie Justice League. Right. The way the camera treats her. Lingers on her, shoots totally her different. in different areas. Yeah. Yeah. So this time we definitely uh, have improved in that area as well. But at the same time, I don't feel like the director, <laughs> Roar... Utah, yeah. which is a great name. That's a great name. I, I don't salute think, you, sir, for that name. That should be a character name, but it's his name. Yeah. I, I think that Vikander is, 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 a, is a really, really, really strong performer, and she makes a connection with the camera that I think makes, feels, seems to me, makes the director uncomfortable. He cuts away often when it feels like she might break through to become an actual character. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and the action sequences are solid, but not yeah, they're really fine. that memorable. The thing is, Everything about it is, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. The, the, the actual action is absolutely ridiculous, because of course it is. It's a video game, you know? Uh, and I think that they do a nice job of bringing that to life in as realistic a way as they can. I just think that... So here's the thing. When I saw the trailer for this movie, which I saw 100,000 times, I would just groan. I expected the worst, and in fact, it's it's perfectly fine. It's just that it's not better than fine. It's just fine. Right. If you just want a a decent action movie, this will deliver the goods, but really nothing much beyond that. No. And it's because it's even when it's adequate, it's you know, it's going places we've seen before as as much as it might improve on the way that the Laura Croft character is treated. You've still got, you know, the people of color. Uh, Yeah. Very disposable. Yes. Disposable victims. Let's put it that way, because yeah, there are bad. There are villains that that are that are uh, not people of color in the movie. But yeah, very disposable, quickly killed, and and getting out of the way. One dimensional, yes. Yeah. Non characters. Yeah. yeah but, it's. Uh... But so much of it adequately serves up an action movie. But it's it's. I not, guess that's what it is. It's yeah. adequate. Yeah, it is adequate. So on the video game scale, that would put it way <laughs> really way high. Up. Really, yeah. really high. Certainly better than Warcraft or Assassin's <laughs> Creed. Or can we start? Can we start uh, naming them off? But uh, yeah, so I guess we'll see. Obviously, they want to start a new franchise. That's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Whether the box office comes in and they start that new franchise remains to be seen. But, yeah. Yeah. Certainly not horrible. Certainly not great. Right there in the mushy middle. Right. Uh, not comfy like those Dream Lounger recliners. Just, <laughs> see, I'm working it in. See there? <laughs> working in the company line. But certainly adequate if you're in the mood for an action movie this week. Next up is the story of a high schooler in Georgia keeping a huge secret from his family, his friends, and all of his classmates. He's gay. And when that secret is threatened, Simon must face everyone and come to terms with his identity in Love, Simon. My name's Simon. For the most part, my life is totally normal. I have a family that I actually like, and there's my friends. We do everything friends do. We drink way too much diced coffee, walk gorging on carbs. So, I'm just like you, except I have one huge-ass secret. Nobody knows I'm gay. Have you seen the new post? About the closeted gay kid at school. What? You're blue. I'm just like you. It's nice to know there's another guy at school with the same secret. When did you first realize? It was a bunch of little things, like my first girlfriend. I think I'm falling in love with you. Wow, thank you. Be right back. Here's another one where the trailer had an influence on me. I remember because I I generally dislike teen comedy dramas, uh, and I and I generally dislike films that are made from young adult novels. I mean, they don't usually land for me. And uh, this one in the trailer looked like it was going to have all the same cliches as all the other ones, and I didn't care. I was so happy that there would be a film that, you know, where the lead character going through this adolescent angst was gay. I was just so happy about that. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's one of the rare movies. Not many movies get credit just for existing yeah and i think this one does it, and it should yeah because it's yeah it's it's a young adult it's um, adapted from a young adult novel mm-hmm. and you know right away i will say it does include some of the most tired young adult cliches of course it's narrated of course <laughs> you've got these just idealized characters mm-hmm. i mean the parents are perfect mm-hmm. the friends are perfect everybody's awesome and then you've got that essay reading at the end oh. where we all learn something today mm-hmm. but it makes up for it, and it becomes a big winner in my book, not only for existing and mm-hmm. for having that uh, at the center of its storyline, 
but also the script. The script is so smart, it's funny, and it's got a very good self-awareness about it. It's not it's it's certainly not making fun of the young adult genre, but it's kind of giving it a wink here mm-hmm. and there, just mm-hmm. a little bit. The performances too. Performances, everybody, the guy named Nick Robertson who mm-hmm. was just in everything everything, everything everything and originally we saw him first in Kings of Summer, which we yes, love. Like I love that, that kid. I, yeah. He's totally fine. Everybody, everybody in it uh, is very likable. In fact, the whole movie Uh, Director Greg Berlanti, who did Life as We Know It a few years ago, he just kind of wraps the whole thing in a very welcoming, comfortable sheen, Mm -hmm. which I think serves it well because when you're dealing with this storyline, one of the main things it does, it reaches a level of, I think, emotional resonance, I guess, uh, a level of humanity that will make some audience members feel less alone if they're going through Mm -hmm. this. And uh, Well, I think... I think what it does really well is make everything seem so normal that why does it matter? Yeah. And, and, and as weird as that sounds, I think that that's exactly the treatment that it, the subject matter needed. Yeah. And also it gives, it doesn't wallow in that teen angst of so many YA yes. films and books. And especially, that's especially timely right now, because what are we seeing in the news? We're seeing teens who are tackling very serious, ugly subjects with grace with wisdom mm-hmm. and we're seeing that you know what let's give them some credit yes and i think this movie does that to a to a, a degree that is very refreshing and it's also it gets some nice some nice bits of humor in there's a there's a um, drama teacher who's trying to put on this musical that is very funny so you know it's not a laugh riot but mm-hmm. it gets the shots in and uh i think it's it's it comes out a winner even though it does stumble occasionally i think one thing that that was a maybe a byproduct of of how welcoming the movie seems. It really kind of skirts the issue of of homophobic right. taunting, yeah, uh, by other classmates and just in general. They really kind of skirt over that and make it seem more mischievous than dangerous, mm-hmm. which you know is not the greatest thing. But in an ironic way, it kind of fits with the entire vibe of the film. That everything is everything is fine. The fact that he's feeling the way he is, and the fact that this other kid. Because there's another kid that comes out anonymously online in school that is gay. And then the main character, Simon, ends up seeking that kid out using a fake name. And they have, while everybody's trying to figure out who the secret gay kid is, these two are having a pen pal kind of conversation without knowing who each other is and sharing their, you know, their their worries about being themselves. So, yeah, it touches a, a lot of emotional buttons, but does it in a good way that doesn't pander, doesn't wallow, especially for young adult type affair. And I think um, Love, Simon comes out comes out a winner. Nice. One more major release this week, and it's inspired by the true events of the 1976 hijacking of an Air France flight en route from Tel Aviv to Paris and the most daring rescue mission ever attempted at seven days in Entebbe. Everybody, this is a hijacking! We've got weapons and bombs. If you try anything, you will die. If the mission fails, the blow to Israel will be catastrophic. We suffer nothing until all the hostages are safe. Here we go. They have TNT on the plane and all around the building. As soon as they know we're coming, they start to kill the men, the women, the children. They want the world to watch. This is a very well-produced, well-constructed history lesson that 
gets all the details right, all the performances are solid, everything technically about the movie is really well done, but I, I don't think it ends up delivering on any sort of message that it was that it was hoping for. As it details this plan of action, it's ultimate the movie's ultimate message is selling the merits of negotiation. Mm-hmm. And and at the end, we're left with look at the the situation we're still in between the Israelis and the Palestinians. There's been no negotiation, and it just kind of leaves that hanging. It just kind of shrugs its shoulders at it. So you you have a hard time figuring out okay, what was the purpose here beyond just giving us the details of this really incredible piece of history? Which which is, I mean, the it's a very incredible rescue attempt mm-hmm. that's really recreated in a technically proficient way but the problem a few problems come in uh director jose padilla uh who did the reboot of robocop right a few years ago i mean again he, he handles everything so technically proficient starting early on with the motivations of the two hijackers of the jumbo jet and they're germans and they're played by a uh, daniel Bruhl rosamund and, pike. And pike both both very good mm-hmm. and then once they deliver the plane and they end up holding the hostages at the Entebbe airport in Uganda with the support of Uganda's dictator at the time, Idi Amin, then the two German hijackers start feeling and getting in over their heads. And uh, again, the performances, uh, Rule and Pike really sell that because the two characters deal with that feeling of being in over their heads in different ways. Mm -hmm. And all that comes across, but there's so much exposition and not a lot of at, at the at the expense of illustration right and that i think is a problem with the movie and then when it builds up of course the whole thing is building to this incredible rescue uh you 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 have a lot of scenes of uh, the israeli prime minister at the time it's uh yitzhak rabin trying to weigh his options mm-hmm. and you've got shimon perez who later became later ended up becoming the prime minister at the time he was the defense minister and he's pushing the whole time for a military intervention, but you know they're going back and forth. Should they or shouldn't they? And while while it leads up to this raid, that's where you expect to get. Okay, man, this is going to be thrilling. And there's a really curious choice, I think, between the director and the screenwriter. They end up undercutting what could have been some serious tension with this uh, raid when it finally plays out. They undercut it with scenes of this dance performance, this well-rehearsed dance performance being finally put on stage. And it really was a curious choice to me. I think it really just muted any kind of payoff as far as an action payoff with the sure, raid. Sure. Because it was, you look back in the details of what really happened, it was incredible. I mean, they basically, you know, were invading Uganda for a, a, a period of hours uh, to try to free these hostages. And they ended up getting them all, but I think four ended up uh, dying. But so it was an incredible rescue. But the movie is very curious in the way it, it ultimately treats the payoff. I think people, after going through all that exposition, might have expected a, a better payoff than you get. Right. So it's kind of similar to what we talked about um, Tomb Raider. So much of it is perfectly adequate. Right. Some right. Some things about it are very. I mean, there are parts of the screenplay that really do have some bite to them, and other parts that it just retrace their own steps. And it, it seems like the the uh, movie gets muddled, just kind of running in place. So in the end, it ends up being a a really well-done history lesson, but unfortunately not much more than that. And that's Seven Days in Entebbe. 
a bunch of stuff coming out in home entertainment this Ooh. week. Most of it nominated for Oscars. One, not. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Led with, led by The Shape of Water. Right. Just won the Oscar. That's for right. Best, best director and best picture. Yeah, we've talked a few times, I know, about the, how much we like we like the movie. We we would not have given it the best picture Oscar, but that is not to say we don't recommend it. Definitely. If you can't see it on the big screen, it's certainly a big screen type it of movie. It definitely is. Yes, it but, is. Uh, if you couldn't, uh, this is a definitely a way to check it out. We would certainly recommend it. Also, another Oscar-nominated movie, well-deserved, Call Me By Your Name. A beautiful film, a, uh, a coming-of-age romance set in a very ripening Italy. Yep. It, uh, Oscar nominee for Best Actor and for Best Picture. It's a lovely film. Definitely yep. check that one out. Yeah, and for screenplay as well. Was right. Nominated. Yeah, so definitely one. It won. Adapted screenplay. Yeah, You're it right. did. And well-deserved. Uh, another one, Oscar nominated, an Oscar winner for Best Supporting Actress, Allison Janney and I, Tanya. I, I think both of us really enjoyed it. Solid, top to bottom. Yeah. I mean, Janie is is magnificent, but the whole movie is really surprisingly smart, funny, interesting, and just maybe not what you expect. Margot Robbie's great as uh, Tanya Harding, and it's, it's one of those, because I'm with you, a lot of people originally thought, I don't want to see a movie about the Tanya Harding thing, right. but it's the tone, yeah, yeah. it's the way they treat it. It's so well done and smart, and yeah, so we recommend I, Tanya. Also recommend The Disaster Artist. The true life story of the making of what many call the worst, or the, best the best bad movie ever made. Which we love. The, the Room. room. We, yeah. we love The Room. We were excited to see this movie, and man, they nailed it. Yeah, they did nail it. Uh, enjoyed The Disaster Artist very much. Uh, animated movie Ferdinand comes out this week. Which was nominated for Best Animated Film. Weak year for animation. Weak but year, and still, that's why I made decent. it. But it was yeah. it's a nice, it's a nice movie. It is nothing brilliant. It is not a Toy Story or something you're going to want to watch a hundred times with your kids, but it's nice once. Yeah, if it's raining out, kids are inside, put it on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go, Ferdinand. And bringing up the rear this oh, week you ain't on lying. the uh, DVD and home video releases, it's Justice League, and uh, it's it's bad. And this is coming from, I'm the guy. I'm You're one, the one. I'm the one of the few that defended Batman v Superman. You're the one person in this room. <laughs> I didn't say it was great. I said it was better than it got credit for. I cannot say that about Justice League. It is just... It's a mess, and it looks horrible. It looks horrible, even beyond the mustache. Thing. Oh yeah, no, it just looks bad. In a year where you know Thor Ragnarok, you know, shows you, no, if you've got a hundred million dollars to throw around, you can make a pretty good-looking movie with some CGI. I don't know what they were doing with this, I but don't. it looks like muddy garbage. It's amazing that they looked at that final, like, yeah, that's good. Let's put that out. There's so much wrong with Justice League, and uh, I would just leave that alone. We look forward to a few next week, one that we are looking forward Woo! to very much, the new animated film from Wes Anderson, Isle of Dogs. So excited! That one, I mean, if you're a fan of Wes Anderson, this looks like your typical Wes Anderson. If you remember back to his last animated, The Fantastic Mr. Fox. Such a great movie. Yeah, this seems to have a mm -hmm. similar vibe. Mm -hmm. and and a, a voice cast of, I don't know, 75 people? That are just yeah. genius. Yeah. Every single one. Cannot it wait. It looks fantastic. Also one that, uh, hoo -hoo, not looking forward to as much. Pacific Rim Uprising. Yeah, we um, did not care for the Pacific did not, Rim. Did not care for Pacific Rim. One of the few Guillermo del Toro movies that we just did not like. No. And I'm still kind of surprised that it made enough money to get a sequel. Yeah. Was it maybe worldwide Globally, box yes. office? Yeah. Because I thought at the time it was a bomb and uh, didn't care for it. But we will see John Boyega yeah. starring now. Like him. Certainly like, like him. him. Unsane. I'm looking forward to that one, too. Uh, Soderbergh, it's kind of a horror movie, maybe, so I'm looking forward to that I one. I can't say I'm looking forward to that, because that is 
that's something that just scares the crap out of the me. idea being, that you're yeah. being put away in a, some sort of asylum and you can't get out and you can't get out. And it's there's nothing wrong with you. Yes. Yeah, that uh, I actually love that. We did a whole podcast on I that. I, I love that. I don't care for that at all. Um, also, one that the trailer made me cringe. Midnight Sun. <laughs> Speaking of young adult uh, pablum, mm-hmm. this, I, I hope I hope it proves me wrong. But I remember we were in different theaters seeing di- different screenings, and I had to see the trailer for Midnight Sun, and I texted you while it was going on, because <laughs> I thought I was going to gag. But FYI, we would never text during the actual film. No. Only during trailers, Wouldn't and do very it. rarely then. Exactly right. Also, Sherlock Gnomes, another animated, the latest animated film coming out. I don't know what studio is doing that. I've seen lots of stand-ups in the theaters for it. The, the cast, the voice the voice cast is insane. Is it good? It's so great. So okay. hopefully, Emily Blunt oh, yeah. and Johnny Depp. I mean, just a ton of people. So okay. hopefully it's not bad. All right, so Sherlock Gnomes. Uh, so let us know what you thought about the movies this week. Uh, we always love to hear from you. Best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter. And you can do that at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. On Facebook and Instagram, we're at Mad Wolf Columbus. And always look us up. On our main website, you can find our written reviews and our other podcast, if you're into the horror films like we are. Our other podcast is Fright Club. You can find that on the website as well as any place you listen to podcasts as well. So look forward to hearing from you. Until next week, the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and Marcus Crosswoods Theater. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but... I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.